Je luistert naar een boodschap van C3 Church Amsterdam en Almere. Wij zijn een kerk van geloof, hoop en liefde. Voor meer informatie over onze kerk kun je terecht op onze website c3amsterdam.nl of c3almere.nl Wij geloven dat deze boodschap jou vandaag zal bemoedigen, inspireren en bekrachtigen. And you can tackle those subjects a little more academically, but suffering in God, now that's personal. That's going to touch every single one of us at some point in our life uh, at a level that cannot be solved uh, academically. And I'm not going to even try and attempt today to give full answers because I think some things will always be a mystery. But what we can do is find some meaning in the middle of suffering. What we can do is find out God's heart on this subject of God and suffering. Some suffering is good. Uh, for instance, on Friday night, uh, the Netherlands caused some suffering to France. <clears throat> That's a good sort of suffering. To beat world champions by two goals like that, that is uh, a pain worth inflicting. And um, except for any French in the room here today, but, uh, but uh, generally speaking, uh, suffering is a personal topic. So I'm going to attempt today to look at the topic at a very personal level um, because people are asking the question, why is there suffering in the world? And it's a very real question. We all have to, at some point, wrestle with the meaning of suffering. Or they may say, if God is good... How come there's evil? That's the, uh, perhaps the more popular question. Uh, but I want to present to you the fact that this is not a Christian problem. This is a human problem. Whether you're a Christian or not, you need to search an answer for this question. It's not just a question that we can put on the Christian community. It's not just a question we can inflict on God. It's a question we have to ask ourselves regardless of our worldview or philosophy. And so... Some have attempted to answer that, and I will go into that in just a minute, but let's just personalize suffering. I don't know what sort of pain you've been through, but I have had to travel through some of that with some of you, and, and that's, uh, that's varied in its nature. Some of you may have been abused by a father, and therefore, when we talk about God being a father, understandably, that's a difficult thing for you to begin to even conceptualize or imagine. Some of you have lost a child. Some, some of you have, uh, have been through a breakup, a relationship breakup, and that's painful. I remember 12, no longer, 16 years ago, our very best friends uh, betrayed us in leadership, and that was, that was very painful. Uh, it gets more painful the closer the relationship. So some of you may have been through a, a divorce. That's a form of betrayal, or it feels like it, even if it wasn't meant to be that way. But you feel it, right? You break a leg, you feel it. You break a heart, you feel it. It's, it's a personal thing. And so uh, I don't want to pretend that it's not personal. I will never forget the look in my sister-in-law's eyes two days after she lost her 21-year-old son to a motorbike accident just back in February. That pain, we still feel as a family, that pain, we still travel through it, we still talk about it. It's, 
It's real. We're not going to deny it. We're not going to detach ourselves from it. We're not even going to try and solve it, but it is real. And so we need an answer. We need something that's going to speak into it and bring meaning into it. So here are some of the uh, options. There is the New Age option, for instance. Uh, Their solution to pain is what we call Maya. It's an illusion. That is, deny it. So that's an option that we would deny pain. Uh, The Buddhist answer is that we detach ourselves from it. So that is, it's real. Emotion is real, but it's of this world. You should detach yourself from emotion. And that will help for a while, of course, if it's a painful emotion. But what about detaching yourself from love and kindness and generosity? Is, is that a good thing? I don't think so. So therefore, that makes no real sense. Evolutionists or naturalists would say that it's pain has no meaning other than for survival of the fittest. So if pain has been inflicted because it means the weak are now gone and the fittest are surviving, then that's the meaning. That is, it's predetermined. You have no control over your life if you're an evolutionist because your genetic code determines your outcome. So that's a potential solution. The atheists would say there isn't a God, uh, but there is pain. Pain is real, uh, which leaves us no hope, of course, uh, but it's, it, it is an option. Islam would say that God makes you suffer. Therefore, the answer is to submit to his will. And, uh, of course, that's also an answer. And some people would think that's what Christians believe, but it's not what Christians believe. God does not inflict suffering on us, uh, and he does not say you should submit to my will of suffering for your life. It's not the God of the Christians. And so what is then the Christian solution? And I'll unwrap that a little bit. I can't jump straight into it. Straight away, got to leave you tempted for something throughout this message. But uh, let me tell you, just in a nutshell, there is a God. (laughs) Pain is real. It can't be denied or detached from. It is real. And there is one called Jesus Christ who has attempted to embrace suffering. So my first thought for us is that pain is personal. But my next thought is this. There is one called Jesus who embraces our suffering. He's taking it on himself. Isaiah 53 verse 3 says that he was rejected and despised by mankind. The man of sorrows has become familiar with pain. He's become familiar with our pain. Or uh, Hebrews 4 verse uh, 15 says that he empathizes with our weaknesses. And so there is one called Jesus Christ who has felt pain, has taken it on board himself, Therefore, he can walk alongside you through pain. Now, there's a thought for us. It's not an answer. It doesn't reveal all the mysteries of the universe. Uh, And one of the modern goals today that is so unrealistic is we're meant to understand everything. And I know we live in in a time now where we understand more than we ever have. But the goal to understand everything is so unrealistic. We're never going to achieve it. The other goal is this in today's society, is the goal of happiness. But I'm here to tell you that that's also a shallow goal. You're you're not really pursuing happiness, are you? You're pursuing meaning, purpose. You don't want to get to the end of your life and go, I had a happy life. That would be a very shallow outcome to your life. 
You want to get to the end of your life and go, I'm fulfilled, I'm satisfied, I, f- I feel like my purpose in life has been achieved. That's what we want. That's, that's really, understanding is, is a, a utopia you're never going to achieve. We have to get to the point where we can say, I don't need all knowledge. Some things have to be a mystery. Some things I'm not going to be, uh, I'm not going to fully know. But there is one, Jesus Christ, who says, I embrace it. And so whatever pain we have been through, you know he has been through one worse. Whatever weakness you experience in your life, you know he can identify. Whatever suffering you go through, you know Jesus has been through worse. Therefore, he can empathize. Now, that doesn't answer at all. That still leaves us with the question of why, why doesn't he do something to alleviate evil or alleviate suffering? And, and uh, it wouldn't be wrong for you to ask that question. In fact, it's healthy to ask ourselves questions like that. And um, it wouldn't be unreasonable, therefore, for me to say he has done something. John 3.16, a verse in the New Testament, says this. He says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. For God so loved us that he chose, free will, choice, to give us his son. Here's a thought. God so loves you that he chose to, chose to do something for you. Now, if I had to tell my wife, Lisby, she's preaching in England right now, which is why she's not here, but if I had to tell her to love me, there would be something rather empty about the feeling I would have about her love. Or if I had to tell my two sons, you must love me, there would be something a little empty about the love I would get back. All right? It, love cannot be commanded. Love cannot be controlled. Love cannot be insisted upon. Love is love because it's been chosen. It's a free will choice. Just as God chose to love us, the greatest honor of all of humankind is that there would be a designer God who would say, I would make you in my image and give you the same abilities I have. That is to make free choices and to determine your future. Some people think that God is more in control than he actually is. uh, And it just isn't true. God's not in control of all your outcomes. That's called fatalism. That's not called Christianity. Christianity says, I have made you in my image. My image is one that loves. To love, you need free choice. You need free will. Therefore, choose to love. Use your choices wisely and create the future. Make a better world. And that's what we've done some of the time. We've used our free choice to create better futures. And so when people say, why is there suffering? The answer is this. We call it the paradox of freedom. The paradox of freedom. And that is this. We've been given free choice and we've chosen that free choice or we've used that free choice to help one another, to invent things and and make this world a better place. But we've also taken a hold of the dark side and we've chosen to corrupt the way we think. We've chosen to 
sometimes be unkind rather than kind, to sow hatred rather than love. We've broken relationships uh, when we could have mended them. We've, we've done all sorts of things. You know, the finger hovers over the button that could create a nuclear war, and that's the choice of mankind. When we say, well, someone broke my heart, and, and many of us have been through that situation, it's a, it's a tragedy, but it's the flip side of free choice. If we're really honest, and, and we would not have wanted a love that was more controlled than that. We've lost the very thing we, we never wanted to lose, but on the other hand, we would never have wanted it to start with if we had to command it to happen. It's called the paradox of freedom. You and I want to live in a world that's free, right? We enjoy the benefits of that. The paradox of freedom creates that choice. There was a, uh, an atheist philosopher called uh, Mayer, uh, W.J. Mayer, and he, he said this. We'll put it up on the screen whilst I tie up my shoelace. Bear with me one minute. <laughs> Health and safety. Pause. <laughs> Actually, you're all looking at my shoe. That's why I was tying it up. <laughs> For all of you melancholics, attention to detail. That was driving you crazy. Uh, no, not that one. Anyway, he, say, he says, hey, well, there you go. A good thing, i.e. God, always eliminates evil as far as it can and that there are no limits to what an omnipotent thing can do. Now, I think there would be a lot of people who would echo with that statement. If God is good and if God is all-powerful, surely he would eliminate suffering. Now, I've already explained there has to be some mystery. I've already explained that there is free will and therefore both... Uh, the good in this world and the bad in this world has not been created by God, but by us. Uh, therefore, uh, there is this invasion on goodness uh, by evil we've created. And so that in itself is a, it just doesn't go far enough to explain the situation. Because uh, a good thing doesn't always need to eliminate evil. Because what if eliminating the evil at the same time eliminated a greater good? What if eliminating the suffering at the same time eliminated our individual choice? We would cease to become made in the image of God and we would just be a bundle of chemicals. At very best, we would be sophisticated robots. We would not be in the image of God. We would not be human. Being human is one who is in the image of God, one who can make choices. And what if, therefore, to eliminate suffering would be, well, what if he was to eliminate certain suffering? Well, what you mean is, why wouldn't he eliminate my suffering? Who's going to make the choice between yours and another person's suffering? Now, I'm not saying this coldly. I've been through my fair share of pain. I've lived through my fair share of pain. And so I'm not trying to, trying to, tell you something that I haven't had to try and come on board myself. If eliminating something meant that we lost something else, surely we should be thankful there is a God in heaven who has to make these decisions and be thankful we don't have to make these decisions. There's one who can uh, differentiate in a way that our brains could never manage to differentiate in life. And so that statement in, in that sense, makes sense. The other part of that statement is surely someone who's all-powerful would use 
their power to do something like that. Well, that's supposing there are no limits on something all-powerful. God has limits. Not even God can make 2 plus 2 equal 5. I know some of you can. But there was no teacher that would have ever said that was correct, okay? That would got you a cross on your exam paper. Not even God can make a square a circle. Not even God can act outside his character. His nature is so wonderful. His investment in us is, in, in us is so marvelous. His love for us is so deep that he has to let things happen. He has to let things happen that his nature, the nature he's put inside of us, could continue to dwell, that we would be free-thinking, free-choicing, free-loving people, that we could love him freely, he could love us freely, we could love one another freely. Therefore, if he was to deny his very nature, is deny his very character, that would be worse for our soul because we've been, there's a DNA inside of us there is a, a um, what we call a moral com- compass. There is a, something wired inside of us that no other creature has. I think I've said this before, but my cat would not think twice about killing a mouse. And I wouldn't even punish him for it. I would celebrate. I'd go, I've got a wild animal living at home. But if I was to kill my neighbor and eat them, What's the difference? The difference is we're not animals and we never were. The difference is we have a moral compass. No one ever had to teach us to be bad. No one ever had to tell us that terrorism was evil. You instinctively know what is right and what is wrong. And that's why the philosopher William Alston said this. He said, the idea that evil disproves the existence of God is now acknowledged on nearly all sides to be completely bankrupt. In fact, many, many philosophers now would say that the presence of suffering even goes as far as to prove there has to be a God. Because our nature, by nature, we intuitively love the human race. Intuitively, we, we hate that which is evil. Intuitively, we, we, we know what injustice is. How do we know that? Suffering brings to our attention our God nature, therefore, brings to our attention there must be a God. And so pain is personal. Jesus has embraced it. Suffering is here because of the paradox of freedom. Therefore, pain is not pointless. It's, it's not without meaning. It's not something we wish on ourselves. It's not something we would wish on anybody else. But it's not without meaning. And we know that instinctively because we know that we've been through some painful things and it's partly because of that that our lives are as they are today. That it's, it's strengthened your character maybe or it's made you a bigger person. It's made you more patient with people or it's given you a different perspective on life. You hear people who have been through cancer saying things like, do you know what? I see life differently now. I value life. What an incredible statement. If you've not been through it, you go, aren't you a little bit resentful of what you went through? No, I have, a, I have a perspective on life that's different now. In my own life, I can testify to the fact that it's because of the pain and because of the suffering I've been through 
that I am who I am today. I'm a better person, a bolder person, a bigger person because I've had to withstand the forces of nature that is set against us. I've had to find something inside myself and dig a little deeper to face the challenges in life and try and find a way to move forward and, and keep on going and, and reach out. If anything, what it's done is it can force you into a search for God. So we know instinctively that pain is not pointless. They say about um, Winston Churchill that until he was 40, he failed in everything, at school, in the military, uh, even as a politician, he was not popular. Uh, and, and so therefore, a very surprise selection, almost uh, he became prime minister almost by a set of circumstances, not by a, a popular opinion. Uh, but he finds himself in the right place at the right time to show off the one attribute he really has, and that is he was stubborn. And, and if there was anything Europe needed at that time was a stubborn leader who would not, uh, uh, who would not back down. And, and so he says this, he says, success is moving from failure to failure without a loss of enthusiasm. <laughs> There's a man who believed that pain was not pointless. There's a, somebody who believed that you could take a hold of something and turn it into something else. It's apparently one-third of all successful entrepreneurs have dyslexia. Uh, dysle dys dyslexia, I said in the first service, purely by chance. But dyslexia. Uh, now, and you could go on and, and read many, many stories of s similar situations where you go, well, you could say people have succeeded despite their suffering. But I think it's pretty well accepted by most of us that we succeed usually because of our suffering, because of our failures. At times, they've given us a step up. I used to work in human resources, and I've had people come to me and go, the best thing that ever happened to me was that I was fired. Because it made me pursue what I should have been pursuing all the time. It made me go after that career I wanted to go for, but didn't have the courage to leave this safety net for. It gave me a step up. And so pain isn't pointless. I want to read you something that Malcolm Muggeridge wrote. Malcolm Muggeridge was the um, editor of the London Telegraph. And he was uh, an atheist and a brilliant writer. He wrote many brilliant, brilliant pieces of journalism against faith until he hit a moment of severe suffering in his life. And he gave his life over to Jesus Christ. He became a Christian. And he said this, he said, I can say with complete truthfulness that everything I have learned in my 75 years in this world, everything that has truly enhanced and enlightened my existence has been experienced through uh, affliction and not happiness. In other words, if it were ever possible to eliminate affliction from our earthly existence by means of some drug or medical mumbo-jumbo, as Huxley envisaged in his Brave New World, the result would not be to make life delectable, but to make it too banal and trivial to be endurable. This, of course, is what the cross of Christ signifies. And it is the cross, more than anything else, that has called me inexorably to Christ. His words were infallible as he spoke them. And I can't identify with infallible words. His works were miraculous, and I cannot identify with miraculous works. His presence and his character were perfect, 
And I can't identify with perfection. But ah, his pain was deep. And I can identify with that. And that is what draws me inexorably to Christ. What a thought that it's actually our pain that can better our lives. It's our pain that can draw us deeper to Christ. And so my final, my final thought is this. If pain is real, if pain is personal, it can better us. If suffering happens because of a paradox of freedom, what does God do about it? He embraces it, but he redeems it. Romans 8.28, Romans 8, help me out, says, <laughs> God works all things for the good of those who love him. Oh, yes. Just getting the numbers right. <laughs> he works all things for good. What do we mean by Jesus redeems suffering? Jesus turns what is disadvantage into advantage. He turns what is unfortunate, what is suffering, what is evil into something that could be good. He takes our pain and does something with it. In Isaiah 53, we read it earlier, but it goes on to talk about the fact he was crushed for our iniquity. He was bruised for our transgressions. He was pierced so that we would find healing. We've all, like sheep, gone astray but he's called us back to his way. What is that saying? It's saying this. The heart of the human problem is the problem with the human heart. If the reason we have suffering is because we've made some bad choices, if it's because our hearts are not perfect, then what is the greatest thing anybody could ever do for us? It would be to give us a heart transplant. It would help us see life through a different filter. It would help save us from ourselves. It would help save us from our temptations. It would be to help save us from a destiny that typically would rebel from his way and go our way. That would be the greatest help anyone could ever do for us. The greatest help isn't to deliver us from the suffering. The greatest help is to deliver us from the problem, the human heart. Jesus redeems suffering and so as we come to a close I want to acknowledge here today that there will be a number of us who are still traveling through pain you're still journeying through it there are people here today and for you it's push you away from God there's one thing that's absolutely certain about suffering and that is this it never leaves you spiritually the same it, you cannot be spiritually neutral when you've suffered it will either push you toward God or it will pull you away from God. But suffering never leaves you the same. Suffering should never leave you the same. And I want to challenge us to think about that, that suffering would propel us into Jesus and not away from him. And so you may be here today and you may be going, Do you know, that's exactly what's happened to me. I can remember exactly that moment where I stepped back from Jesus Christ because of the pain I went through. I don't want you to deny it. Some of you may have denied it or detached yourself from it, and, and that's been the way you've handled it. But the problem with that is that as you begin to detach yourself from pain, what begins to happen is emotionally you begin to detach yourself also from pleasure. 
And so you, you stop feeling love and, and, and joy and, and kindness. You sort of become a little emotionless because you've detached yourself to protect yourself. But now you're denying your full, the full beauty of your humanity. It's an abuse to the beauty of your soul to deny and detach yourself from pain. It's not an answer. And so if you're in that situation, I want to pray for you. If you're in a situation where you've backed off from God because of suffering, I want to pray for you. If you're in a situation where you're going, do you know what? I've thought about this topic so much and this this here today has made more sense than anything I've heard before. If you're in a situation where you're going, uh, I, I want to give this a go. I want to search out God. I want to I want to say, Jesus, prove yourself to me. Show yourself to me. I want to pray for you too. If you're in a situation where you've gone, I've been away from God, I want you to come back today. If you're in a situation where you're going, I've never asked Jesus into my life, I want you to do it here today. I don't want you to walk out of this place in all that this world offers, both the good, the bad, and the ugly, without the resource and without the the wisdom and without the power to be fully human be fully what God has intended you to be. So could we close our eyes? Because in just a minute, if that's you, not yet, but in just a minute, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if you're in any one of those situations. I know there are a lot of people around here today who've been through pain and it's still affecting you. And and I, I really want to help you. So if, if that's you, you've You've pulled back from God because of something you suffered rather than pushed into Him. Or you're going, do you know what? It, this is, I'm not fully understanding it, but this study makes sense. I, I want to pray a prayer that says, God, if you're real, make yourself known to me. Or maybe you're already sure you want to ask Jesus into your life or you need to come back to Him. You want to be sure you're going to heaven. If, if I'm talking to you today, I want you just to just quickly raise your hand for me and then put it back down and then I know who I'm praying for. Thank you, sir. Who else is there? Thank you. Who else is there? I know there are people. Thank you. Beautiful. So maybe others here today. Maybe you just know that you need your heart healed from the wounds of pain that you still walk with and, and it's okay. It's okay to feel the wounds. Some of us will travel our entire lives with scars, and that's okay. If we allow it to push us into Jesus Christ, if we allow it to help us become all that He wants us to become. So if you know you need some healing so that your scar doesn't hold you back, but it pushes you forward, come on, I want to pray for you too. Thank you. Is there anybody else here today? You know, you know I'm talking to you. Maybe you're in your head going, is this for me? Is this not for me? If my experiences, if I'm ever in, is this for me or not for me? It usually is for me. <laughs> Beautiful, wonderful, wonderful. Thank you, Lord. I'll wait if there's one more person. Maybe one more person here. Just don't hold out on what's good for you. Maybe you've never asked Jesus into your life. 
Make today the moment. I still remember that day. Fantastic. Can we pray this prayer together? It goes like this. Dear God, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that he died for me. I thank you that he carries pain. That he identifies with me. I turn away from my past and I give you my life. Live in me today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, I pray for anyone here for whom pain is still very, very real to them. They're struggling to move on. I pray you'd heal hearts right now. Help them to know that you are walking with them through this journey. Jesus, a man who suffered, I pray you'd walk the journey. We give ourselves to you. We give ourselves to you. We give ourselves to you. And I thank you today that we can say, All things work together for the good of those who pursue you. Father, I pray for anyone here who is searching you. I pray that you would show yourself to them. Make yourself real to them. In Jesus' name this week. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you speak into these difficult situations, that you don't avoid it. You don't give some shallow answer, but you give meaning. And for that, we're grateful. In Jesus' name, amen. Wonderful. Bedankt voor het luisteren naar onze podcast. We zien je graag terug in een van onze diensten. Kijk op onze website voor tijden en locaties.